another thing that I preach all the time is, hey, control your own destiny on these e-com channels. Uh, try not to get to a point where you're relying on resellers. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer. Today, welcoming to the show a former middle school teacher turned CPG entrepreneur, Kyle LaFond. Kyle, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Chase. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So tell me, how does a middle school teacher uh, inceptualize and start a brand? Like, Just take me back to kind of the beginnings, where things get started. I have made a career on the fact that middle school kids stink. It doesn't, <laughs> matter, it doesn't matter if they're boys or girls or whatever. Uh, those kids are ripe. You know, at that age, you're going through this very fragile period of human development where all kinds of funky changes are happening in your body, their hormones. And uh, at about that time, yeah, these kids get ripe. So uh, kind of the whole backstory, I was really put off by the products that my kids were using to kind of cover up that body odor. You know, if you think about most middle schools, Early in the morning, if you're walking down that hallway, it's oftentimes just this gross chemical fog of some name brand body sprays. And I just thought, wow, this is really kind of noxious. I remember parents dropping kids off with windows wide open in their cars during the middle of winter because they don't want to smell their kids and all the uh, body sprays they've been using at home. Um, and then one day, you know, I just took it upon myself to grab one of these canisters and actually take a look at the back panel. And, you know, having years in the classroom, multiple degrees based in sciences, I can only identify about a third of the ingredients on that canister. And I thought, wow, if I only know a third of these ingredients, the chances that my kids or their parents have any idea what type of harmful chemicals may be in this product are slim to none. So I designed a project on the spot where I taught my kids, basically modeled how to make personal care products without any harsh chemicals. And uh, that quickly became the most popular project I'd ever put together during my teaching career. I had kids that I wouldn't have in class for another year or so that would grab me before school, after school, during lunch and say, hey, Mr. LaFond, are we going to do the deodorant project? Absolutely. Uh, if you guys are interested and want to do it, uh, we're going to keep on going. That first year, uh, we made some terrible products. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, it, was, it was bad all the way around. Uh, but after four or five years of modeling for five or six periods, I basically had made a whole bunch of stuff in class. That I used the foundation for American problems. So it all started uh, based on a simple fact that middle school kids think, and I wanted to help them out. Oh, man, that's... Uh... That's so interesting. Uh, one, I couldn't agree more with just kind of the... the uh, when you said just like the fog of early school, morning, middle school, it just took me back to like, you know, the body sprays uh, of my youth. Um, and, and I can I could never thought about it in that perspective. Maybe I stunk. Who knows? I probably did. Um, <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> this is so cool. So you, you basically got paid as a teacher to do R&D. Um, when did it... When did it kind of become more than just a project? Uh, probably, gosh, uh, four years in. Uh, because over the course of the previous years, I accumulated a whole bunch of surplus stuff that I had made in classes I was modeling for my students. Because in middle school, I had to do everything with the kids, right? They want to see how you do it and then do it on their own. Um, so I had just been of stuff that I had made over the years. And I thought, what am I going to do with this? 
And uh, over the course of the holidays, about this time of year, I actually started giving it out to friends and family. And I said, hey, this is stuff I made in class. Just give it a shot. Let me know what you think. You know, no harm, no foul. I want to see if this stuff is uh, may have a future. And basically, every person I gave stuff to came back to me a month or two later and said, hey, you know that deodorant you gave me or that aftershave you gave me? That's better than anything I bought in a store in a long time. Um, you may have something here. So based on that really positive feedback from friends and family, we decided to launch the business. And uh, I was very fortunate at that time. I had access to a, an old machine shed on my fourth generation family farm. And uh, at that point, I asked my mom if I could actually do some renovations. And uh, she said, yeah, go for it. So I spent a few months updating that old machine shed and that's where we launched. And so we were born in a barn and, and not in a boardroom. That's for sure. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So what was the first product that you actually took to market? So first product included a whole bunch of uh, different things. So uh, basically it was deodorant, aftershave, hair pomade, and a beard ball. And uh, what I did was I realized at that point that most of our competitors or smaller companies out there really were just launching online. You know, they were basically running ads on Facebook or Instagram and putting some money behind digital advertising campaigns. I didn't want to be like those folks. I wanted to really start off with a brick and mortar backbone. So uh, I took it upon myself to actually jump in my car and go visit local grocery stores and pharmacies and specialty shops and pitch. So I would take bags in of samples. I'd hand them off. I'd say, hey, I want you to try these things out. I'll come back in a week and we can talk about getting it back on the shelf. And uh, basically what we did with uh, some local partners here, uh, three Hy-Vee stores in the Madison area, uh, got on those stores shelves right away. Uh, they made independent decisions. The buyers brought our products in. Remember, I put everything out on a Friday. I did a little demo that afternoon to kind of talk about the products and kind of do a little bit of hype work. Uh, I came back on Monday. And even though I had put 36 of all of our products on the shelf, every single one of the deodorants was gone. Uh, so that very first weekend, I realized, hey, we're going to probably be a deodorant company. It's great to have all kinds of other men's grooming products, but guys are really looking for alternatives to the traditional stuff we've been wearing ever since we were in middle school. So uh, that's kind of the foundation story. Uh, that, uh, that's amazing. And so something I want to highlight there is that you took it upon yourself to get out there and actually sell the product, to go make these connections with these small independent retailers and try to get your product in the store. Um, you know, and kind of what I want to point out there is that like you weren't waiting for you know something happened to you 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 were getting things done and you were going out there um you know how long were you hitting the bricks and, and, and making these kind of uh wholesale connections is what they kind of ended up being uh before you started to pivot and look at direct consumer yeah that was about three years actually um my weekly routine was, hey, I load up my truck on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, hit the road either late Sunday or early Monday morning, and I'd be gone until Thursday. So I had a bunch of routes throughout the Midwest here that basically I would drive, hand stuff out. And I think that really helped out because a lot of the buyers and the owners at these stores, when I would walk in and tell them, hey, this is a company that I founded, we're making products on my family farm, and we're making products that are better alternatives, healthier alternatives than what's on their shelves right now, I think it really resonated. So coming from the founder and being the guy saying, hey, your business is so important to me that I'm standing here in your shop. I'm not asking you to come to me. I'm here coming to you. I want to establish a relationship. I want to know all your employees. And I want to help you sell our products on your shelf. Because very early on, I realized that getting on a shelf, that wasn't the end of the story. That was just the very beginning. The consumer has to pick them up. The consumer has to buy them. So for me, being out on the road and being visible and doing demos really helped out. Um, 
I'm very fortunate and very glad that uh, we did that from 2015 to 2018, because given how the world has changed over the course of the past two, two and a half years, I don't know if that strategy would have worked. I don't think I could have gotten into stores. I couldn't have done demos. I could have gotten in front of people. So timing really was key. And then in 2018, um, we actually took in our first round of investment. Uh, that first three years, I bootstrapped the entire operation. It got to a point where if we really wanted to grow and scale, we needed some outside funding. So uh, part of bringing in that outside funding was to launch uh, on these different e-com platforms and really push the digital aspect of our business. Oh, that's all right. So that's that's kind of where a lot of our listeners are definitely uh, are are at. Definitely more a D to C kind of focused audience here. And you said uh, something that I kind of wanted to dive into is is platforms. So not just one. So I'm. I'm making an assumption here, and please correct me, that obviously you've got your own store um, built out, and I believe it's on Shopify, but are you also in other marketplaces such as Amazon? That's correct. So yeah, we've built our own site on Shopify, and I preach Shopify to everyone I run across. I mean, if you're going to be serious about e-com, Shopify, Shopify, Shopify. That's the platform you have to use. Um, we learned that the hard way. Uh, we had built some sites on other platforms, and some of those other sites are great for Main Street businesses. But if you really want to do e-com and D2C, Shopify, the far away, the information and analytics that platform provides are so far superior. So anyone that's serious about D2C, yeah, I am a, a Shopify proponent to, to the max. Um, so yeah, we're on our own website. Uh, we also have products listed on Amazon, and we have a handful of other sites uh, that we list our products on. What we try to do is we try to maintain as much control over our own sales as possible. Um, what we try to do is we try to limit reseller resellers as much as we can, um, because you know if you look at the customer reviews, anytime there's an issue with our products, it's not because of us. It's because of our resellers. Resellers. It's because resellers either fail to ship a product, don't provide a refund, or are just completely out of touch. So another thing that I preach all the time is, hey, control your own destiny on these e-com channels. Uh, try not to get to a point where you're relying on resellers. Absolutely. And so uh, with the decision to sell your products directly on Amazon, I feel like that's a decision that weighs on a lot of founders. Should I or should I not You know, put it here? Um, so what would you say are the advantages of selling on a platform like Amazon? And then if you, if you want, you don't have to answer this one. Uh, and maybe like the disadvantages of selling on like a marketplace. Yeah, the way I look at Amazon is it's a necessary evil. And uh, I hate to even say it that way. We have to realize that Amazon is now the second largest search engine in the world behind Google. So if people are actually looking for products, uh, even if they're not going to buy, they turn to Amazon, do some research, and read the testimonials, read the reviews. So you really need to be on Amazon to make your brand legitimate. Um, so for us, it's one of those things where we've placed products there because we need to be visible. Of course, we don't have the budget uh, to compete with a lot of these larger uh, companies on Amazon. Kind of the thing that a lot of folks don't know or that isn't talked about much are the costs of advertising and listing on Amazon. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where it really isn't a very fair playing field at all. You have these uh, major international corporations that have unlimited ad budgets and marketing budgets, and they can afford to run ads and market to people time and time and time again. We just don't have those dollars. And for us on Amazon, it has to make sense. So we're always taking a look at our ACOS and making sure that Amazon's actually a break-even or sometimes hopefully a profitable um, source of revenue for us. Uh, but again, we can't compete with those larger companies. So uh, we list just to be visible and to show up. And uh, we try to get to a point where we're showing up on searches that are relevant to our categories. 
Absolutely. I think there's kind of a secondary consideration um, with listing on these marketplaces as well is kind of just like uh, your sales velocity and kind of economies of scale. Does that come into the picture as well? It does. So um, for the first couple of years, we listed products on Amazon uh, just as our own entity. You know, we didn't hire any type of outside firm, any type of Amazon management agency to actually run ads for us or gauge our performance. Um, and that was that was fine. Um, but if you really want to make inroads, you really need to find an agency and a specialist to help you out. I mean, it's something where every day I'm trying to figure out when the right time is to bring that in-house to actually have a dedicated Amazon professional here on our team that can run that platform and run ads. Um, but yeah, you get to the point where initially, yeah, you just list products just to have them there so they show up. And then you hire these management firms that can basically run campaigns for you. And then if you get to a point where you're large enough, yeah, it makes most sense to bring it in a house and have someone actually run those campaigns for you day in and day out. Um, so for us, that's kind of the, the progression that, that we've had in talking to other founders and entrepreneurs of CPG companies. It's very similar. Um, the devil's in the details though, right? Mm -hmm. Finding that firm that can actually run these campaigns. Because, you know, we get solicitations all the time. Every one of us are from different marketers that claim to have such traumatic success uh, on uh, on Amazon. But until you actually dive in and work with these folks and get to know them, um, you're never going to know. So I spend a lot of time uh, just basically doing my own due diligence and figuring out who we're going to work with or who we should be working with to actually grow our Amazon revenues. I think that that, that, that sentiment goes beyond just Amazon. It, it, that's just growing... a. a uh, agencies and consultants out there. Um, so that's actually something I'd love to ask kind of your thoughts and opinions on a, a bit more because I have my own of kind of like where it makes sense to go in house and I'd love to see how it compares to kind of yours. So my perspective on like the life cycle of, a, of just a direct consumer brand is if you're zero to a million dollars a year, you're a startup in my opinion. Sorry if that makes you feel a little or bigger than you are. Who knows? Um, but I think at that stage in things, you should be doing everything you possibly can do yourself just to increase sales and invest in yourself and in your, in your own education. Because as you shift into the next phase of things, which I'm going to call kind of the scaling phase, uh, which I would say is like a million to $10 million a year. Um, that is when you should probably look to work with consultants and freelancers and partners, agencies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but people that are smarter than you at their whatever their subject matter expertise is. Um, I, you know, I think that the investment that you make in your education early on and making mistakes and learning about your product market fit are only going to help those partnerships when you find the right people. Um, and then I think when you kind of get to that 8-figure mark, that's when things make sense to bring stuff in-house. And, and, and as an agency... You know, on our end of things, like it, when they when we help businesses get to that point and they're bringing stuff in house, like we feel great about it, and it's like we've did our job. It's you know, so that's kind of my perspective. Uh, how does that kind of fall in line with how you guys are doing things? I agree with you 100. Um, that makes sense uh, from a brand growth perspective. The only caveat there is you have to look at uh, AOV. If you've got a product that you're only selling for 10 bucks, maybe a little bit lower than that, like us. But if you've got a product that you're selling for 150 plus, like yeah, then the numbers go the other way. Uh, so it all kind of depends on AOV. But those are really good kind of guidelines in terms of how you should be approaching Amazon and what kind of strategies and tactics you should be employing. Absolutely, uh, AOV is one of my favorite numbers to to to, to manipulate. So you 
are correct with especially cpg it's uh, getting the aovs online is a lot harder so how what are some of the strategies and tactics that you do to try to increase that average order value or that cart value uh, on your kind of like your shopify experience yeah so uh number one uh, trying to figure out what our break even aov even is so we've done a bunch of work on the back end and trying to kind of reverse engineer so if we get this point where let's say we're at x say like 45 bucks for our aov at that point we're actually generating a fair amount of revenue and being profitable um, so for us in order to get to that goal post we have to figure out different strategies so it could be bundling uh, it could be like a build your own it could be seasonal or limited editions anything we can do to get products kind of put together so we can raise that aov sometimes we've even thought about bringing in products from other companies so companies that uh, we call our favorites or that we want to push and help grow as well or companies that want to help us uh, so a lot of it's bundling, packaging, limited releases. Sometimes it may include new products. Um, obviously, we're making a new product. It's not all about, hey, how much can we charge for this? There has to be a customer need there first. Uh, but looking at the, the full spectrum of things that are available to, to raise that AOV. Looking back and knowing now what I do, um, we probably should have started off selling products that were a little bit more expensive than 10 bucks a unit. Um, and that's just one of those things that you learn over time. Um, and I, I see the evolution. I see folks that have started multiple companies. And you always see that they kind of start with a lower-end product, a lower-priced product. And then those products tend to gradually get more and more expensive as they start other companies or other endeavors. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E L E C T R I C E Y E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day to day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. 
visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Be Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where Be Profit comes in. Be Profit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. Be Profit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Visit beprofit.co today to start your seven day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H O N E S T 15, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. You know, the unfortunate truth is with higher priced product products, you have more margin to invest back into the business. Yep. That's exactly it. Um, so with with you know the increasing the AOVs uh, and trying to get to that forty five dollar average order value, how much um how much does lifetime value come into play as well with when you're making some of these decisions? I knew that question was coming next. You can't talk about AOV without LTV. Um, and especially from an investor uh, perspective. So whenever I'm out and pitching and talking to potential investors, those are the two questions that come up right away, AOV, LTV. So we've actually done a lot of work you know, to try to better determine what our LTV is. You know, there's a handful of calculators out there. There are some that are very simple in terms of figuring out what your LTV may be and others that are very, very complicated. Um, the more complicated I tend to think, the better off you're going to be. So for us, uh, I've had to go through this kind of evolution of thinking about, hey, the first time we make a sale with someone, I'm all right losing money on that transaction because we actually have a returning customer rate of about 70%. So um, I'm really happy with that. That actually speaks to the quality of the product. And given the nature of our products, you know, if you find a deodorant or an aftershave or a beer balm that works and you like, if you're a guy, I can say this because I am one, I'm pretty simple and stupid. And uh, if I got something that works, I'm going to keep on going back that well time and time and time again. 
So for us, I've really refocused on, hey, I'm not concerned about making money on that first transaction, maybe even that second transaction. But knowing that we're going to have customers come back three, four, five, six, 10, 12 times, that's where we're going to be profitable. So we focus more on building these customer relationships and making sure they keep coming back and buying our products. That's yeah, that's amazing. So you're using your return customer rate and are you just manipulating that against your AOV and kind of bouncing it out a few times from there? That's exactly it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing just about average order value is a little more cut and dry. You go here, are your sessions, here, are your sales divide. Um, but uh, with, with LTV, that one is definitely it's something where it's like, there is no one way to do it. It's you build it and it, you got to be comfortable with it. And it's kind of like your gut as a founder, um, you know, with, with CBGs, obviously you have a more, uh, more higher repeat purchase rate because it's consumable. But if we're talking about, um, I don't know, books, book, bookshelf, desktop speakers, like I don't think someone's coming back and buying one of those within the first 90 days. No, not at all. And, uh, we've done a lot to kind of figure out, Hey, what is our, our use? Um, how long does it take a product, uh, customer to get through our products, be it a deodorant, beard balm, aftershave, whatever. Um, and we've roughed that out, you know, right around eight weeks. So there's a whole bunch of stories to tell there beyond that. So when you think about uh, traditional or conventional products, and I'm going to get on the natural, natural products bandwagon here for just a second, if you don't mind. Um, you think about conventional products. Uh, I tell folks, when you take a look at a personal care or beauty product, when you look at the back panel, if you see water, or H2O or Agua listed as the first, second, or third ingredients. Tell you what, that's just a filler. That's for ease of application. That's to cheapen that product. So for us and all of our products, we don't use water in anything. So our products tend to last quite a bit longer. I often talk about a dab will do you or a couple swipes and you're good to go. Because if you take a look at, let's take Axe, for example, all their television spots or Old Spice, their television spots. Where do you see? You see those guys just dousing themselves taking the shower in this body spray you don't need that that's overwhelming and that marketing is very intentional it's to encourage folks to use as much of that product as they can so they keep on coming back and buying it at a more frequent clip so when i tell folks that hey our deodorant is going to last you eight weeks it's going to last you twice as long as the deodorant you're buying right now so in terms of cost efficiency we're actually much more reasonably priced than the traditional deodorants you're buying that are filled with all kinds of garbage um, so talking in those terms and getting folks to realize that, holy cow, um, there's actually companies out there that stress quality uh, over quantity and repeat purchases. Uh, that goes a long ways for us in building that trust for our consumers. Oh, absolutely. And now, uh, kind of with everything that we talked about today and, and knowing our audience, is there something that, that I forgot to ask you that you think would resonate with them? You know, I'm oftentimes asked, hey, if I were to do this all over again, what kind of advice would I give to myself? And uh, the big thing, I steal it from Nike, just do it. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of folks out there that put way too much thought into it. You know, I've talked to a ton of entrepreneurs over the years that have some brilliant ideas, but just never execute. Um, so my whole advice is, hey, if you got an idea and it keeps coming back to you three months, six months, nine months, a year down the road, there's something there and, and go for it. Uh, another thing that I talked to a lot of folks about is the importance of roles. So, um, we believe in a book called Rocket Fuel, and Rocket Fuel is a great read. It basically defines roles within an organization. For any startup, you really have two key players. You have one who's a visionary, who kind of sees the land for what it is and can look out five, 10 years and knows where you want to take this thing. And you have an integrator, someone that actually does the work. And what I see happen time and time again with a lot of companies, uh, startups that I talk to, you've got two visionaries or you've got two integrators. 
And you really have to recognize who's going to take on each one of those roles and how are you going to work together? You know, when we first read that book, they really helped our communication internally, understanding who we are and what our roles are. So for anybody that's thinking about uh, starting their own business, I'd say, yeah, number one, go for it. And now's a great time. There are a lot of folks transitioning out of traditional careers and looking to put their own shingle out there and make a go of it. And then, yeah, read the book Rocket Fuel, seriously, uh, and find out what you're good at and try to recruit uh, your counterpart. Yeah, that's a a great book to recommend. So I've read Traction and I haven't read Rocket Fuel yet. And I just wrote it down and I'm going to download it from... Uh, my library app the second we're done with this conversation. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your insights. If people are interested in the product, where should they go to check it out? AmericanProvidence.com. We've got a beautiful website. It's constantly updated, all kinds of special runnings. Um, go ahead and sign up for the Pit Crew. Uh, that's our rewards program. So you can basically build points towards future purchases. And yeah, you can find us at uh, almost 5,000 locations nationwide now. Uh, so look for your nearest brick and mortar retailer. If we're not there, hey, please talk to the buyer and request that they bring us in. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you so much. You bet. Thanks, Chase. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.